Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today is Share the Show Tuesday, but I just had a harrowing day. I got up at 4.40 a.m., maybe 4.15 New York time, flew out to L.A., My flight was delayed four hours. I just breezed in. This is not the show to share, but it is a day where you could subscribe or leave a great review. We don't have subscribe and review day. So let's see if we can't get just some fun. mm, I would say praise. We can take constructive criticism. You can email that straight to me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. But let's just try to get our ratings up so the search engine loves us more. So before they shut it down, and that is going to be part of our first story. Binkley, lead us off and I'll tell you what I got. And I would say that if it's a show that you love and you find value out of, then absolutely share it with somebody that you think would Today? find Today? Would, would you find haven't heard it yet. It. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. You okay. hear it and you do find value out of, out of it, then definitely share it. So the Aspen Institute has released a report on the Aspen Institute, the global think tank. It's the Commission on Information Disorder Report. They released this earlier this week, and this report studied the broader impacts of a world disordered by, quote, lies, and it includes specific recommendations for big tech, government regulators, newsrooms, civil society, and other stakeholders on how to fix this problem. Many of these recommendations we are seeing in play right now and will no doubt continue to see in play. And before I tell you what some of these specific recommendations are, I think it's worth noting that this report was commissioned by Craigslist founder, billionaire, and Biden supporter Craig Newmark and one of the 16 commissioners involved who spent a year apparently putting together this report is none other than Prince Harry. So... (laughs) What, what are his credentials? What are his relevant credentials? He's apparently a disinformation expert at this point. And yeah, well, that's that's true. <laughs> absolutely. So this is a three part report. I'm going to give you just some of the recommendations from one part of it today, and I'm going to bring a couple more tomorrow. But the one I'm going to give you today that the royal propagandist and his friends worked on is they focused on reducing harms, interventions that reduce the worst harms of mis- and disinformation, such as threats to public health, democratic participation, and targeting of communities through hate speech and extremism. Here are the recommendations in tackling these problems. They say they want a comprehensive federal approach They want to establish a comprehensive strategic approach to countering disinformation and the spread of misinformation, including a centralized national response strategy, clearly defined roles and responsibilities across the executive branch and identified gaps in authorities and capabilities. This sounds to me like a world ministry of truth for the digital space headed up by a royal. Yeah. And he's and is he talking about the U.S. federal government? This that's guy? a good question. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a great question. I guess the veil has been pulled back and we see who that who are that we too are in the Commonwealth. Absolutely. The second recommendation for this area is they want a public restoration fund. They want to create an independent organization with a mandate to develop systemic misinformation countermeasures through education, 
research and investment in local institutions. So we know the education propagandize and indoctrinate the kids. The investment into local institutions is investment into the local newsrooms and journalists that we talked about last week that meet their standards that qualify for this the, these funds that they're going to be giving out. And the third angle here for this one is they recommend civic empowerment. They want to invest and innovate in online education and platform product features to increase users' awareness of and resilience to online misinformation. Sounds to me like they want to invest in inoculating people from things they don't want them to question, and they want them to be dumb and have no literacy when it comes to digital literacy under the guise of digital literacy. Yeah, I agree with you there. Final one, super spreader accountability. They want to hold super spreaders of mis and disinformation to account with clear, transparent, and consistently applied policies to enable quicker, more decisive actions and penalties. And they want to do this regardless of location, political views, or roles in society. They specifically align like how they, they, they want to evaluate this by looking at the amount of influence people's social media has, the amount of followers they have, the amount of activity a tweet, a specific tweet has. And this group of people has everybody who did this commission, has everybody from John Hopkins officials to the director of research at Google Jigsaw to Harvard Kennedy School to the head of site integrity at Twitter to the Ford Foundation, Washington Washington Post, Microsoft, and Renee Darista, a well-known propagandist. <laughs> this New is knowledge. their plan right here, and they're putting it out in front of us. Well, I have a few reactions to that, and then I also feel like what you are saying and maybe this event is what spurred on the New York Times article I read today. I bought the at the airport. I bought the journal and the Times. I never read the Times. It's uh, almost unbearable, but I did get a little skinny from the other side. I mean, both of them are the other side, if you ask me. But just two things. You said super spreaders of disinformation. I think that goes to my theory that the society, the structure of society is moving from war to health like pandemic from that's why I think they're allowing sports to just get silly and they don't care about transgender athletes um, changing the games and all of that, why they let the NFL just fall to pieces. They kind of expected they saw this coming. There's just a, you know, just a lot of weird things going on. They gave up a lot of value in sports, but I think they're restructuring society on different lines. Uh, as far as Jigsaw, it's always a uh, just an eye opening wiki search to look up Jared Cohen, who runs Google Jigsaw. He he basically graduated from college and went and works for Hillary and has just been like a deep state Department of State guy ever since. I mean, he's as deep as they get, in my opinion. So. The article that I read in the New York Times was the title was Curbed on Social Media, COVID Falsehoods Go Unchecked on Radio and Podcasts. <laughs> so they are trying to get to us. They say podcasts are even more powerful than social media because especially during these times, we've all felt like we've been in it together, like we're talking to each other or community. And I will say that is absolutely right. And I thought that was the biggest threat to the machine at this point, And it certainly is. So we've got to watch our backs from this. I mean, I don't know. I've seen articles like this before, but they're going somewhere. Uh, it says it points out that big podcasts only have big audiences because they are on big platforms like Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio. So this was right out of the gate. This is exactly what they do all the time. Makes me crazy. So the headline was about covid. Then it says this sentence, which is phrased in a way that is not crystal clear 
what the actual details were. And since I was doing all my research with actual pieces of paper instead of the internet, I'm not exactly sure what they mean, but you can tell by listening to it that it's a crafted propaganda statement. True News, a conservative Christian media outlet founded by Mr. Wiles, who used the phrase Jew coup to describe efforts to impeach former President Trump, has been banned by YouTube, but his podcast remains available on iHeart. So I don't know if True News aired him saying that when he said that it's his podcast on YouTube, but not True News, what's on iHeart? I don't know, but... They immediately make it about identity, hate, racism, anti-Semitism. We're talking about COVID here, right? That's their problem. That's what they want us to worry about. And they immediately put everybody in that basket of deplorables. And that's what this report does as well, is it breaks everything down into identity. And they say the victims, the biggest victims of mis- and disinformation are low-income communities, African-Americans, LGBT. That's how they break it down, identity. And I'm I'm wondering, as a result of that sentence, are they saying that because he said this one thing that was anti or many, many things, I don't know, that were apparently anti-Semitic, that he seems to be an anti-Semite, I don't know, but that he that he should be canceled across the board for everything. What if what if he's a doctor and he just does covid stuff and he said that's stupid? I guess so. Right. That's what they're saying. Uh, Then they go on to the scare stuff. Should have got the shot stuff talking about Jimmy DeYoung. He was on a show. He had a guy on that said uh, vaccine. These vaccines are not by definition a vaccine. They permanently alter our immune system, which God created to handle the kinds of things that are coming that way. Makes I literally switched parishes because the because the priest said that some, that religious objections are based on the fact that if you think that you need medicine, you don't believe in God. So that makes me crazy. So this is another another little, uh, what do you call that, like straw man? And then, as a little kicker, Mr. DeYoung, the host of the show, died four months later of COVID. Then, uh, of COVID complications, then Buck Sexton... Hmm. That's the new <laughs> that's the new Rush Limbaugh, right? He sounds a little bit of a poor name, but whatever. He recently floated the theory that mass COVID vaccinations could speed the virus's mutation into more dangerous strains. A theory New York Times thinks uh, might have emerged from a 2015 paper about a chicken ailment called Marek's disease. That is, I have heard so many doctors, maybe not ones that the New York Times is quoting anymore, say that long before it appeared to actually be true. Then... Uh, A media professor says we're seeing lots of public radio stations doing amazing local work to spread good health information. And on the other side, you're seeing mostly the AM radio dial and their podcast counterparts being the wild west of the airwaves. So you take people on the right, you take AM radio, take the podcast, they're the wild west of the airwaves, which sells the wild west short and podcasts like ours short. Uh, But also he throws out there that why is he seeing public radio stations doing amazing local work? They're really focused on getting you to think that the local, the local, that's real. And it's not. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how they want to get to the rural communities is make them think it's coming from the ground up when it's really probably parted upon them. Yeah. I mean, I know radio does try to do that as a way to beat podcasting because they feel like they can't that having local news traffic and weather is helpful for that. But we you showed us that CFR chick telling us that uh, trying to hit the local guys and implanting in their brains how to do this. So I just wanted to real quick tell you the three iHeart radio, the three rules, three iHeart 
iHeart's rules prohibit podcasters from making statements that incite hate, promote Nazi propaganda, or are defamatory. They would add nothing to that. Apple's guidelines prohibit content that may lead to harmful or dangerous outcomes or content that is obscene or gratuitous. Spotify had some stuff that they had written down, some stuff that they offered up later, and something alarming that their head of like advertising or something said, which is this. Spotify prohibits hate speech and content that promotes dangerous, false, or dangerous deceptive content about COVID, which may cause offline harm and or pose a direct threat to the public health. But this is what the advertising guy said, and he's head of something else too. He says he they that Spotify is making very aggressive moves to invest more in content moderation. That makes me nervous. That makes me nervous. And then the last two things I would say is podcasters, uh, it points out, aren't getting the kind of scrutiny that social media is getting. They have not been subject to congressional investigation. Obviously, I think that's what the New York Times is calling for. And I would just say the takeaway for us is that we're never, ever putting out information that's um uh, false or misleading. We just don't follow the official narrative. We are open to the various things we read. We tell you where we read them. We put them in the show notes. This isn't about false. Obviously, this is about questioning the official narrative. And I know I don't have to tell the people who are listening that the First Amendment is is all about that. That falls right in line with this report as well. And there's this Texas nurse who resigned from her post after she was suspended, or a doctor, excuse me, after she was suspended for, quote, spreading misinformation about COVID-19. Her name is Dr. Mary Bowden. She's an ear, nose, and throat doctor in Texas, and she resigned from the Houston Methodist after having her medical privileges suspended over a social media post that the hospital said was dangerous and harmful misinformation. In a statement on Twitter, the Methodist hospital said that she you, that Bowden used her social media to express her personal and political opinions about the COVID-19 vaccine and treatments. Now, what did she share? What, what does this CNN article completely leave out? Well, she tweeted the link. The tweet that they linked to in the article is a tweet of her saying, imagine that your 48 year old husband, the father of your six children, is dying in the ICU and doctors would rather have him die than try ivermectin. Apparently what happened, I did some research on the backstory here, is she was treating somebody else because she was newer to this hospital. So I'm guessing this was a patient at the old hospital she worked at, which is Texas Hughley Hospital. And the husband expressed before he got put on a ventilator that he wanted to get ivermectin and the wife sued to get ivermectin treated for him and was she won she won the lawsuit and so this doctor who was treating this this man sent her nurse over to that hospital to treat him with ivermectin after they won the lawsuit and they arrested her nurse for going over there and then the hospital appealed and now the case is in a standstill on appeal while they still have not given this man ivermectin who's on a ventilator and they say possibly near death and this woman this is how and cnn this is how cnn portrayed what this woman was tweeting online they said bowden's twitter account it shows a series of tweets praising the anti-parasitic drug ivermectin that's that's how they portrayed that entire story about this that this woman was tweeting about. You know, it's funny because all the things that anecdotally people say work tend to be that uh, 
parasitic stuff. Hydroxychloroquine was malaria. This is some kind of worm thing. They're saying that stuff that treats maybe Lyme disease, which is was a bioweapon from where at least Congress is investigating or has been put in the record in Congress that it may be a Lyme disease, some maybe a bioweapon. And I did, I know one congressman anyway was kind of looking for an investigation there. A lot of these things seem to apply to that, but that's terrible. I mean, they, they should bust that guy out of there. They should bust him out. I mean, really, like, that's what I feel so bad. Like, these old people, they're still in lockdown. I was in New York, and one of the little sisters of the poor was begging for money at our church, and she said that what they do is they help old people, like, kind of poor old people, and that they have been, this will be their second Thanksgiving lockdown where their families aren't allowed to come see them. And I just feel like, I don't, you know, it depends on your personal situation, but if you can bust them out, bust them out, you know? Yeah. Did you hear that Beto O'Rourke announced that he was going to run for Texas governor? I'm running for Texas governor again. Yeah, I wish, he would have, <laughs> I wish he would have announced it while he was doing like a skateboard trick in midair. That would have been a little bit cooler. That Ooh, would this have guy been can't cool. be governor. Nobody's going to take this guy seriously. I don't know. I think he was a congressman there for a couple of terms. But I just this was something I, I, I tweeted either in its entirety or I, I hinted at in a tweet just a few days ago before he announced this, that there were they were there was a discussion about the Texas law against it must be like a governor's order against allowing private companies to require the vaccine. And I've always objected to that. There was stuff like that going on in Florida, just saying like you, you have to realize that the pendulum is always going to swing that the, the Big state guys, the Democrats, they're always going to take back over. You got to watch out. That's why you shouldn't let Trump expand his powers as president, even if you liked him. And they shouldn't have let Abbott do it, because if O'Rourke gets in, he will. They they stated unequivocally that those who support Abbott's ruling uh believe that he has the power to make a ruling like that. And that's where any self-respecting Republican should have drawn the line. But instead, they like the policy, so they compromise their principles. And it just doesn't take long. That 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 alone is the reason I think he's going to win. So you think Beto is going to win? I ha- I really don't know. But like, I wouldn't think at all about it. I wouldn't have even an opinion about it, except for that. They're expanding it there. There's a lot of Californians going down there. And even if he weren't to actually win, um, he they could fake it because it was, it's a plausible story. And he wouldn't be the first Democrat in my history to be a Texas governor. I think Ann Richards was a Democrat, if I'm not mistaken. Gun toting, but she was a Democrat, if I'm not mistaken. He's hitting Abbott on the way he handled or how the Texas power outage came about. But we know from the SPARS document that that thing was part of a plan. And if you read Chapter 12 of the 2017 SPARS document on the Johns Hopkins website, and you don't agree with me, I'd like to, I mean, I, I, I haven't met anybody who didn't jo- drop their jaw, dra- <laughs> not drawers, talking about that. And I just feel like Abbott's probably in on that. Um, DeSantis was probably in on the Miami condo collapse. I mean, you can't really trust any of these guys, and they're teeing it up for the next guy to have more power. I just can't stand it. You got to stand with your principles. Yeah. And you know where principles are getting implemented right now? The metaverse. We saw the metaverse thing roll out and it felt like once Zuckerberg made this metaverse announcement that all these corporations and even some countries were just ready to go and start exploring the metaverse, perhaps establishing some new norms. And we now have what will be the first sovereign nation with an embassy in the metaverse, which is Barbados. 
as they are preparing to legally declare digital real estate sovereign land with the establishment of a metaverse embassy. Now, the Barbados Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Foreign Trade, they signed an agreement this past Sunday with a group called Decentraland, which is among the largest and most popular crypto-powered digital worlds for the establishment of this digital embassy, and they're finalizing everything right now. They're also working with a number of other platforms as well, but listen to what they want to do with it. They will be identifying and purchasing land in the metaverse, architecting the virtual embassies and consulates, developing facilities to provide services such as e-visas, e-visas, and constructing a teleporter that will allow users to transport their avatars between various worlds. Now, the ambassador of Barbados, Gabriel Abed, maybe he's like the Christopher Columbus of the metaverse, he said the country intends to expand aggressively beyond this initial effort to build structures and purchase digital land in a variety of virtual worlds. He says the idea is not to pick a winner. The metaverse is still very young and new, and we want to make sure what we build is transferable across the meta worlds. And this was approved back in August, so they've, they've been planning this for a while. Do you remember? I think it was it must have been two weeks ago that I said I had a friend who was buying stuff like bought a taxi in the mm-hmm. metaverse, that there was real estate, that there have gas stations, but they don't have parking lots yet. And that inspired me to include that in our Zoom party topic. Our next Zoom party is uh, hopefully going to be the Saturday after Thanksgiving, I think. Um and what we want to talk about, we want to talk about digital currency, we want to talk about um, crypto, we want to talk about general kind of wealth hacks or trying to create wealth and maintain your integrity. But I also want to talk about meta money and assets in the metaverse. So this is for all patron saints. All patron saints may join this conversation. But if you have particular knowledge or experience in those areas, if you want to, I am especially looking for people who um, get the whole wealth hack thing, how to, you know, the four day work week. Like if you are somebody who knows how to make money off the grid, I would love to talk to you. Maybe we can get one of Richard Grove's guys to come on. And uh, but also I, a lot of people are going to want to talk to talk about crypto. It's not going to be all about crypto, but I really also want to hear about this metaverse stuff. People have insights to that I know at least one person is going to come to help us with that. So if you want to be part of that conversation with a little bit of experience and expertise, you can email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com and I'll give you the information. And this country, Barbados, they've also retained legal counsel as the embassy will set a number of unique precedents and (coughs) it will also be compliant with international law as well as the Vienna Convention. And they will be talking about forming a central digital bank for digital currency. Holy crap. So we can't have anarchism even in there. We can't have agorism. We're going to have a central damn bank. Even fake money is going to be fake. This is outrageous. (laughs) All right, before we get to our final story of the Free 30, which is infrastructure, climate, and muni bonds, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR. From arrest warrants to car warranties, Americans face nearly 30 scams a month. And turn on, tune in, and drop out, 21st century style. And of course, a big thank you to the sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com, your CBD experts. What makes True Hemp Science different is that they create handcrafted, full quality, full spectrum CBD products by sourcing the highest grade hemp from around the world. My personal favorite is their Acapulco Gold Lotion with hemp extract. And I love their t shirts. Their t shirts are 
really cool. And somebody will always come up to you and say, I love that t-shirt, man. When you wear those t-shirts, truehemscience.com slash prop report. Use that promo code prop code when you check out. Monica, I know you have a lot of experience with their products. Oh, I love them all. It is, And Chris is so generous. He sends me cool stuff and I just never know what I'm going to get. It's always like a little goodie box. And I, I, it's really, it's a, it's a shame. He sends me the gluten-free brownies and um, cookies. And I have to like really be careful because they're so yummy that I'm tempted to just eat them, but they have CBD in them, which is a great thing to eat. Also, I enjoy that, but you got to, you know, you got to, you got to follow the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And so you call them up, email them. They'll answer any questions that you have. That's what's really fantastic about them is the personal care and the quality products. TrueHemScience.com. Also, check us out on Patreon if you have not yet. And if you want more content, you don't like the ads, just join Patreon. Check out our different tiers we have there. Find the one that's right for you. We offer bonus content every weekday. Every time we drop a DNB, we have a ad-free DNB XR. That's Monday through Thursday and sometimes even Friday. We have Friday grab bags with interviews, early releases, guest appearances, and patron-only Q&As. And you have more direct one-on-one access with Monica and I every single day. And all premium content for as little as $7 a month with more tiers offering live stream interactive content with Monica and I and the entire Propaganda Report community as well as shout outs and even one-on-one Zoom calls with your host, Monica and I. Best looking community on Patreon, Propaganda Report Patreon community. And now on to the final story of the free 30. Which is... It's a big story. There's a lot here. So I'm going to hit as much as I can in the time that we have right now. But let's really dig into it. And the patron, I was going to say the patron 15, but it's really the XR. Okay, so I have a few things that came together for me when I was um, spent like five hours reading the newspaper today. So and something that I was thinking about last week that I want to bring together. So one article, the headline was U.S. infrastructure struggles with new weather forecast. Now, I don't believe for a minute that the unbelievably extreme weather that we're getting is not manipulated by a defense department or the or the descendants of a defense department that could was trying to win wars in the 60s using weather as a force multiplier. Problem is that we are now the enemy and they're using it against us. Just think about how much they would have learned and accomplished in 50 or 60 years. And they were starting the weather control stuff in the 30s. I've read a book that said they made the deliberate decision to stop these programs so they wouldn't get sued. And in my mind, just like everything else, they just made a deliberate decision to stop documenting it so they couldn't be held accountable. And uh, to me, all the extreme weather, all the uh, incompetence that we're hearing about are complete psyops. They're psychological operations. And the article talks about uh, the entire infrastructure was set up for the weather of the past. And we need to revamp it all for the weather of the future. We just have to shore everything up. And I feel like I've been thinking there in the... Something significant about the infrastructure bill that passed and was signed by Biden. It took him a couple of days to sign it. I think I might have misreported it earlier because I assume because it was on his desk that he signed it. He did sign it now. And well, I think uh, he signed the two separate ones, didn't he? Or did he only sign one of them? Oh, youth, the climate, the uh, social 
I don't. Maybe think I'm so. confused on that. I need to fact check that. I Only know that because was... I would know the final number on the the social stuff, the one they call human infrastructure, which is a ridiculous name, just to cause this exact kind of confusion. Exactly. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, but the one that's like one trillion is the actual infrastructure. The rest is wealth redistribution and social control, and that's anywhere from two to like six or whatever. <laughs> it's probably going to be two or three. So anyway, uh, so. One of the features of the infrastructure bill is that that I've read about like in two or three articles already. They don't really dr- connect the dots like I'm connecting, but that the government is uh, or Pete Buttigieg is going to be the guy who has like 150 billion dollars worth of discretionary project money that normally would have been most of that would have been distributed to the states and they would give it out. So I thought, okay, they're holding this at the highest level because I saw all that Biden corruption stuff that they talked about who controls infrastructure money and they were trying to peddle our infrastructure stuff to China. So I thought I I keep going back and forth. Is it about world control? Is it about just pure venality? And it's, it's actually, I continue to think it's both. The politicians are there. They're allowed to get rich as long as they do what they're told. And part of what they're told is changing the infrastructure for certain reasons. So I feel like one of the reasons it might be more discretionary at the highest level, and that's why Pete got the transportation gig. It seemed like a weird job, but look at all the money. I mean, that guy is going to be sitting pretty. And uh, so that he would be able to determine exactly how, when, and where that stuff was spent, as opposed to having to negotiate with the state. So if he has the purse strings, he's going to be able to control that a little better. And it another article in the newspaper today that talked about that was – the uh, that I thought flowed in with that was municipal bonds rally following changes in infrastructure package. So the municipal bonds, they thought there were going to be a whole mess of new bonds in the market and that would have pushed the price down. But they were surprised to see that not only was the money going to be held at the go- at the federal level, they weren't going to give them interest. It's not crystal clear that they're going to give them interest rate subsidies to issue more bonds, um, roll over tax advantages um, so that they could uh, refinance their old bonds in a tax-effective way when they're lower interest rates. So all these things that are hurting the municipal bond market. And they said that uh, it says, I just want to read a quote so I don't get it wrong. It says, uh, Immune, oh, this is actually my quote, but muni market wish list included. Oh, no, this is theirs. Tried and true methods of funding infrastructure projects with federally subsidized interest payments and tax exemptions for early refinancing. That's kind of my um, shorthand for it. But the direct quote was Congress's decision to scrap the municipal bond proposals represent a move by federal officials toward paying directly for projects rather than standing back and ensuring states and cities can borrow cheaply for infrastructure and leaving the details to the locals. So, so like I like to say, the money is where the money is, (laughs) you know, where the money is, is where you're going to get rich as a politician, but they do would apparently get more authority in the approval process as well. And, Uh, A big thing that people should take away from this is that when you're taking away the money and the power from the municipal governments, it's just like or tax advantages, federal tax advantages away from local projects and stuff. And and it absolutely had to be a Republican. It took a Republican to do this. It's similar to taking away the salt state and local tax deductions from uh, from people against their federal taxes so that the big behemoth states like California, New York, they have tremendous, tremendous taxes because they 
they have like these extravagant welfare programs and all that. Once you take away their ability to tax their people to death in those states, because the tax rate basically doubles, like the second you don't let them uh, deduct it from your federal taxes, people in those tax brackets, they're they're close to 50 percent sometimes. So it's going to double. And there, there's just it's not going to be possible for those people to get the kind of social programs they want at the local level just by taxing locally. So those people are going to use their congressional power, their voting power to push all that crap up to the federal government, in which case it's going to apply universally across the board to everybody. And boy, you think you're saving money by not letting them deduct those taxes. That is the beginning of the end. It is the tipping point of having the federal government more than 50% of the whole economy. So during the XR, I want to talk about my, um, you know, maybe it's obvious to people, but sometimes I think articulating something as the most important thing is cracking the code. So I cracked the code on some climate change. Uh, you know, just what's it really, really, really about? I think I figured it out. Great. I can't wait to hear that. Do we have any shout outs? Oh, to- yeah. I just have a big shout out to Marianne and her awesome family. They are loyal listeners and all around really good people. So thanks for listening and uh, hope you're well. All right. Fantastic. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content I was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our tiers there. We will talk to you tomorrow or in the DNBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.